as I speak, on a normal, the old normal, I would be pausing and looking out over the congregation, and I would be noting where some of our people were visiting from. And I would note our members, and I'd look here and I know that I would see Joe, and I would see George, and I would see Kim and Greg, Mark and Jesse, the grandkids, and I'd look back here and I would see Greg and Pat, I'd see little Katie, I'd look back there and I would see uh, Greg and Joy, all of their grandchildren, I, 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 could, I could go on and on to all the people that I would see, but that's not what's going on today. I'm looking at a nearly blank auditorium, except for those that are needed, there's no one here, but you are out there. And I can say with some confidence that there are people that are watching from New Hampshire. There are some people that are watching from Pennsylvania, from Texas. I'd have to turn around to point. I know that this is north as I'm looking. There are people from Florida, from Ohio. There may be people from Oregon. There are people from all over. So I would say good morning church to all that are watching. I have a new clock that is back on the wall, and it is an atomic clock. Don't worry, there's no radiation. But this atomic clock is absolutely to the second. I thank Mark for that. And Mark wanted me to note that for you, Donato, when you are watching this, and to know that it will be on time. One thing I'd, I'd like to make note of about our current culture, I, I think of, of the people who have gathered together in excess from stores. And I just want to say how thankful that I am to you because people like me don't have my freezer stocked nor my cupboards. But you in your foresight have. And I thank you in advance because I know that you are going to share all of this with me and with others. So thank you for your wisdom and insight into this. I'm not an epidemiologist, nor a biologist, or a politician, or a statistician, so I can't offer you anything in the way of advice as to our current situation in the country. But as Peter and John, as they were entering the temple in Acts chapter 3, told to the lame man, says, silver and gold I have none, but what I do have I will offer to you. And to that extent, that is what I'm going to give you today. In our daily Bible readings, which again I'm going to note that those are daily being presented in a video clip on our Facebook page, so you may tune into those as well as other things that are coming along. And as was mentioned in the announcements, Chuck Anderson, uh, Chuck if you're watching this, get your hat and boot on, get ready to go, because we are planning on having you come up and as people had said, Chuck you have got to put this on video, the Bible Timeline. Well, the time has come and opportunity is here. We're working fast and furious and bringing as many people into the loop as we can to help make this possible. Recently in our Bible reading, we came upon the reading that was from Mark chapter 16. In Mark chapter 16 and 15 and 16, as we see from our passage here, when Jesus said, to them, go into all the world, to every creature who believes 
He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And I think of what Jesus meant by the world. And uh, if you look here, this is that tiny blue dot that Carl Sagan made note of, that when the satellite that was heading towards the outer limits of our solar system turned its camera back and took a picture of that tiny blue dot, as he known it as, this isn't that picture, but it is one that has been taken from outer space. And if you follow that arrow and you look very closely, you can either look at the camera or you can look at the, at the world and you can see me waving inside there. This is the world that we live in. This is what Jesus talked about when he told the disciples. He said, oh, you're going to start in Jerusalem, then you're going to go to Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. As we think of the, the Roman world, we look at... Uh, at this area around here in brown, this was what was known as the Roman world. And outside of that uh, would have been the rest of the world. But that was the Roman world. And so our world, as we know it today, is our maps. And again, there's the arrow that points about where we're at. If you're out there and you don't know where Traverse City is at, I'll pull out my map and show you that we are located right here. And you can see it on the map of the United States. This is our world that we're looking at today. And we're told, they were told, preach the gospel to every creature. And so we wonder, what gospel? If you're reading or hearing this for the first time, he says to preach the gospel. Well, you're going to go into all the world, not as vacationers, but those who would take the gospel to the whole world. What gospel? What is the gospel? Here is what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verses 1 and 2. He says, moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel. He says, the gospel which I preached to you, which you also received, and in which you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. So this is what Paul says. This is what I declared. I declared to you the gospel. It still doesn't tell us what the gospel is, but in the next verse he says, for I delivered, first of all, this is the most important thing that I deliver to you. First of all, that which I received, that Christ died for our sins, and that is, uh, you may not be able to tell here, but it is bolded, that Christ died for our sins. That is the first thing. Uh, according to the scriptures, this wasn't an accident. He died for our sins according to the scriptures, and he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Everything was according to the scriptures. So we see that three things, that Christ died for our sins, he was buried, and he rose again the third day. In essence, that is the gospel. That is the good news that he did. But how does that, how does that relate to us? Well, the first part that we, that we looked at, talked about, that you're going to go into all the world and preach the gospel. The second part is that he who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned, Mark 16, 16. Believes what? He that believes, believes what? And so we look at, he who himself bore our sin in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness. By those stripes you were healed. 1 Peter 2.24 tells us. He says that believe what? Believe that Jesus Christ died for our sins. Paul says to the church at Rome, in Romans 3.23, he says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. For the gospel pertains to all people, for all people have sinned. 
It's not just for one group of people, one race, one culture, one nation, one continent. But all people have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So we see that that gospel is going to apply to everyone. Paul writes to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 5, he says, Even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together in Christ. By grace you have been saved. We were dead in our trespasses. We who sinned were dead. We find in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10, Paul tells us that for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. So we find that we are all sin, we are all in our trespasses, and that there's going to come a day when we are going to be before a judgment seat to answer for the things that we have done. In Acts chapter 17, as Paul is in Athens, appearing to those people that had come to the marketplace, now he's before them and he says, uh, tells him, he says, because he, God has appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. He has given assurance to this day by all, by raising him from the dead. So we see that there is going to be a day, a day which we are going to appear, there's going to be a day of judgment. The writer of the book of Hebrews tells us, and it is appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment. So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many to those who eagerly wait for him. He will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. So we look at the, the next part of this, which is there's those who believe. So we see that the first part was to believe, and he says, and is baptized. So there are two parts of this, those who believe and those who are baptized. So we ask ourselves, well, what is, what is that all about? What is he talking about? Baptized. Is this some new, some new directive that has been given? Why didn't he mention this before? So we go back to John chapter 3. Many of us are familiar with John 3.16, the great verse. But here we find that prior to this, in that same conversation, I've noted that this he is speaking to Nicodemus. And Jesus answered him, speaking to Nicodemus, and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So we see in order to see the kingdom of God, which is the church, which in talking of salvation, it says, unless one is born again. Now Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So he says, first, one must be born again. And unless he's born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now he says, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Listen to what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. Reading now from the New American Standard. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, born from the dead. So at this point, and Peter writes this letter well after the crucifixion of Christ, perhaps 30 to 35 years later, he says he has caused us to be born again. So Peter has followed that directive and tells us we have been born again. 
So we see that baptism is to be born again according to John 3, verses 3 and 5, and 1 Peter 1, 3. And we're going to go through a list of things and, and determine exactly what baptism is. Because many people are confused on this issue, but the Bible is very clear. You may have people that tell you that baptism isn't important, but this is what they have told you. Why don't we read from the Word of God, which makes it very plain for us exactly what baptism is for. So the first point that we have, that baptism is equal to being born again. Now, to Nicodemus, who was questioning Jesus about how could a man go back to a mother to be born again, the Jews understood that they were children of Abraham. Look what Paul says in Romans chapter 4 and verse 1. What shall we say that Abraham, our father, has found according to the flesh? So this identifies something that the Jews would have understood. Abraham is our father. We find in John chapter 8 and verse 33, they answered him, we are Abraham's descendants. Again, understanding that they are children of Abraham. If one was going to be born a Jew, they would be born into being a Jew. I know that sounds uh, confusing somewhat, but what they're saying is we are born as Jews. If someone wanted to become a Jew, they would become what is known as a proselyte but they wouldn't be born as a Jew. So they would have understood that being a Jew is something that you were born into. So we see that uh, now we look at the second point, which is baptism is a conversion. In Matthew chapter 8 and verse 18 and verse 3, pardon me, in the New King James Version, it says, And said, Jesus said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become like little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus says that one of the requisites is that you must be born again. You must be born of water and the Spirit. Unless you do those things, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Here he says, unless you are converted and become like little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. In Acts chapter 10 and verse 47, uh, as, uh, as Peter was speaking to the Gentiles, he, they have received the Holy Spirit. Now Peter makes this statement. Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who receive the Holy Spirit just as we have? So we see that this is the first instance with the, the Gentiles, those who were not Jews, receive the, uh, the invitation to become part of the church, to be, have their sins forgiven. Now we come down to Acts chapter 15, and, and here it is described. Luke records this for us. He says, so in being sent on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, describing the conversion of the Gentiles. And they caused great joy to all the brethren. So here they are describing what happened in Acts chapter 10, that the Gentiles were now being converted. So we see that baptism is to be born again. We see that baptism is called a conversion. Now we're going to look at that baptism is a regeneration. In Titus chapter 3 and verse 5, we find that Paul, speaking to Titus, one of the uh, preachers, this is one of the last letters that Paul wrote, he says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. So again, he's talking about something about washing of regeneration. I have listed there the two Greek words, lutron, which means to bathe or figuratively baptism. And the Greek word for regeneration is palagonesia, which means rebirth. So we see the regeneration 
The washing of regeneration is figuratively a bath of rebirth. And they're talking about baptism here. We look at baptism means to be born again. Baptism is a conversion. Baptism is regeneration. Now we'll look at baptism as a washing. In Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 22, the writer of the book of Hebrews says, Let us draw near with a true heart, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. And I put a notation there, an asterisk, that that same word, that same root word that was used in Titus chapter 3 and verse 5 is the same word from the same definition of means to be bathed, the whole body. Our bodies, our whole bodies are washed with pure water. Okay, I get a little ahead of myself here. Uh, here we have that uh, Peter, pardon me, Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 5 and verses 25 and 26. And he's speaking of that great mystery. And he's speaking about husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. So we see that even Paul relates the washing of water with the word. And we'll tie all of these together in just a moment. Paul's conversion, or rather Saul as he was first known of, in Acts chapter 9, that's Saul's conversion later, Saul who becomes known as Paul, describes his conversion in Acts chapter 22 and verse 16. As Ananias has come to him and asked, Ananias asks Paul, and now, why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. So we see this is consistent, not only with what we have found in the book of Hebrews, what we found that Paul wrote in the church of Ephesus, but what Luke records for us that Ananias tells him to wash away your sins. So we see that baptism means to be born again. It means it is a conversion. It is the regeneration, and it is a washing. Next, we're going to see that baptism is for the forgiveness of sins. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 36, Peter has preached the first gospel sermon in the temple on the day of Pentecost. And as he concludes that sermon in which he includes the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, he comes to this point and says, Let all of the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, speaking of Jesus, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to their heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? I'd just like to play with that question for just a moment. Notice that Peter's response wasn't, Well, I don't know, I didn't get that far. That's choice A. Choice B is nothing. I was just told to repeat this story. Or is it letter C? Peter told them exactly what Jesus commanded them to say. Which of those seems like it is most likely the answer? I think it's obvious that it is C. This is what Peter told them. The very next verse, 
Peter didn't beat around the bush. He didn't hem and haw. He didn't go into a great oratory. Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins. In Luke chapter 24, verses 46 through 47, Jesus is giving a directive to his disciples. And in each of the, each of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the disciples are given a directive. And this is really the Great Commission as it pertains to how Luke records it for us. Then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and rise from the dead the third day. Here we have the gospel, right here. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You see, this is the same directive that was given, only Luke records it from his standpoint. Look at Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 and 19. And Jesus spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Here we have that directive once again, as Matthew has recorded it. And now we come full circle back to Mark chapter 16 and verse 16. And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. So, following again, baptism equals to be born again. Baptism is for conversion. Baptism is for regeneration. Baptism is a washing. Baptism is for the forgiveness of sins. Baptism saves us. Look at what Peter says in his first letter, 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 21, the English Standard Version. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you. Not a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We begin to tie all of these scriptures together to show that baptism is very important. Peter says here that baptism saves us. Now He says, I'm not talking about washing the physical dirt from you, but he says it's an answer of a good conscience towards God. It is the command that has given. If we go back to the Old Testament and look at Naaman, and Naaman was a leper, and Naaman was given the command, I want you to go and dip seven times in the Jordan River. And Naaman, so angry because the prophet had not come to him, he is willing to give it all up. But a servant says to him, if he had asked you to do something difficult, would you not have done it? He has asked you just to do a simple thing. By faith, Naaman is to believe that what he has been told to do, he must do. And rather than disobey, he goes and dips seven times just as he was instructed. Now notice he was told to dip seven times. If he had only dipped four times, five times, or six times, it would have been disobedience and not seven times. But he does exactly what he is told to do. Peter says, now baptism saves us. So we come that baptism saves us. I'll go through the list a little bit later. But now we come down that baptism puts us into Christ. 
These aren't all separate baptisms, but they are one baptism, and all of these things happen simultaneously. Look at what Paul writes to the Galatian churches in Galatians chapter 3, verse 27. For as many of you who are baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Now let me ask you this. There are some that say that all you need to do is say a prayer and just believe. And I would ask for those people that tell you this, can you show me this in the Bible at any place where this says this? Here, Paul says to the church at Galatia, to those churches, he says that baptism puts us into Christ. If one is saved before baptism, then they are already in Christ. But not according to Paul. He says we are baptized into Christ. And you cannot be into Christ if you are not into Christ. Therefore, let's go a little bit further here. We see that baptism is a reenactment of Christ. We come to Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4. As, as Paul is writing to the church at Rome, in chapter 6 he comes down to a very crucial part. Beginning of verse 3 he says, or, you do, or do you not know that as many as us were baptized into Christ, and there's that term again, baptized into Christ, were baptized into his death. Therefore, we were buried with him through the baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. And there you have, as Paul describes, the gospel. We are reenacting the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. You see these things that are underlined here? You see, as we're baptized into Christ Jesus, we're baptized into his death, the very first part of the gospel. Therefore, we are buried with him, just as Christ was buried in the tomb. And as he comes down, even so, we should also walk in newness of life, which is the new birth. It could not be any plainer than this. Now we come to baptism adds us to the church, the body of the Lord, the saved. Listen to how Luke records this. After Peter has given the directive in the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 when he told him to repent and be baptized, every one of you, here he comes down just a few verses later that Luke records for us. So those who received his word were baptized and they were added that day about three souls. Let's drop down a couple of verses later. It says they are praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to the church daily those who are being saved. Those who are being saved are those who are being baptized. Those who are baptized into Christ. Those who are baptized in the death, burial, and resurrection. All of these things we are bringing together to show the importance of baptism. So we have the command to baptize as we find in Mark 16, 15 and 16. We have the examples of baptism, if you want to read in the book of Acts, about all of those people. And we have the necessary inferences that baptism was taught to all who heard the gospel. If we were to go down and look at the, for one example, the conversion of the Ethiopian eunuch. As he is traveling along, and Philip is explaining the gospel to him, it would be obvious that Philip had told him about 
being baptized because as he comes to the water, he says, look, here's water. What keeps me from being baptized? How would the Ethiopian eunuch known about baptism unless Philip had told him? So the necessary inference in all of this. And here's a chart. This probably is going to be hard for you to see. Uh, many who are in the congregation receive this, this chart in the email along with the outline. If you would like to receive that, let us know by making a notation either on the our webpage or on our Facebook page, and these can be sent to you so that you can see these things. And remember, you need to prove all of these things. Don't take my word for it. Don't take your preacher's word for it. Read it in God's word. You can see it with your own eyes, and don't let anyone explain it away to you. So we see in all of these, these examples of conversion. We see on the day of Pentecost, they heard the word, they repented, and they were baptized. We see the Samaritans, they heard and they believed, they were baptized. Simon the sorcerer heard, he believed, he was baptized. And on and on it goes, 12 examples that we have in the book of Acts. If baptism's not important, why is it mentioned so many times in the book of Acts? So a question we asked as we are coming close to the end is, is are we saved in the same way or by a different method today than those in the first century? And if we are saved in a different way, we have to ask ourselves, where does it tell us in the Bible? You need to ask yourself that question. For if you could find that there is a different way that one is to be saved, you need to show it to us so that we know. But we have read it and you have seen it with your own eyes here on this screen and you've read the scriptures about all of those things. So we ask ourselves, what must I do to be saved? Well, the scriptures are very plain that we must hear, Believe, repent, confess, and be baptized. Not only that, but we must live godly. We cannot expect to be born again to that new life and go back into the world. For Peter says it would be like a dog that goes back to its own vomit. Why be born again only to go back into the world? Here we see a diagram that shows that gospel reenactment in baptism. That one who is buried is performing the death here we are. They are buried and then they are raised to newness of life just as Romans chapter 6 verses 3 and 4 tells us. We find these steps of here by Romans. That faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. To believe. Hebrews 11 6 tells us that without faith we cannot please God. Mark 16, 16, whoever believes and is baptized. When you hear that believe and faith, they are the same word. To have faith is to believe. To believe is to have faith. But we must have the belief and faith that God expects and demands from us. We are told that we must repent. We must turn from that old life. We must turn towards. We must leave the old life behind. Acts 2, 38, the, the command that Peter gave to those on the day of Pentecost. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of your sins. Exactly. Luke chapter 13 and verse 3 and 5, unless you repent, you shall all perish. To confess, Romans 10 verses 9 and 10 tells us that repentance, or pardon me, confession unto salvation. It means that confession is that way which puts us on the way to salvation. But confession itself is not salvation. We find that all of these put together... Matthew 10.32, Jesus told those who were listening to him, 
that if you are ashamed of me, I will be ashamed of you. But if you confess me, I will confess you before my Father. And finally, to be baptized, Mark 16, 16, Matthew 28 through 19. Those are the commands that we are given to do. And we ask ourselves that if someone tells us how to be saved, why is it, if we look at those examples in the book of Acts, read them for yourself, and you will note that each time there is a conversion, we find that no one ate or drank or slept when they knew what they had to do. It tells us that they were baptized immediately. That very hour, the same day they were baptized. Why should we do things different today than were done in the first century? So as we come to the end of our presentation, we find how important that baptism is. There are many that are searching in this world today for the answers. And especially in times like this, and we would not seek to capitalize on on the, the things that are going on in our world as scare tactics. But this is the same gospel that is told in good times and bad times. And many people are wondering about their own lives. Am I in that relationship with God? Well, you must be in a relationship with God according to what he told us. For those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. You'll read that in John chapter 4 as he talked to the woman at the well. So we must do Bible things in Bible ways using Bible terms to do Bible things. I'd like to sing an invitation song now. Could you get me that book right there? It's a song that's very familiar. We often sing an invitation song so that we can have time to consider and contemplate the things that have talked about. Songs entitled, Are You Washed in the Blood? Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in His grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Lay aside the garments that are stained with sin and be washed in the blood of the Lamb. There's a fountain flowing for the soul unclean. Oh, be washed in the blood of the Lamb. Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? And again, this may be new to you. You may never have heard this before. But I would encourage you, if you have any questions, please contact us. If you are listening on our website, there is a place where you can go and you may contact us. If you are on Facebook, again, send us a message, send us a private message, so that we may contact you and study further with you if you have a need to change anything in your life. Thank you very much.
this time I'd like to close us out with a, with a prayer. Wherever you're at, if you could pause at this time and pray with us. Our Father, we count it a joy and a blessing to have been given this time. We know that times are difficult. We know that we are being pushed to our limits, many of us. But Father, we pray that our strength might come from you, that you might guide us in all things. Let your word guide us at this time. 